0: Welcome, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. I am Reverend Champion Fleming. I'm calling in from the the unceded ancestral territory of the Chochenyo Ohlone people. I'm in Oakland, California. I am the new Minister of Organizational Development at CSL White Rock. We are an inclusive learning center of practical spirituality based in White Rock, South Surrey, British Columbia, Canada. We practice and teach tools for transformation, authentic self-expression and conscious living. Wherever you are on your path, we welcome you here. Whether you're soaring or struggling, there is a place for you. And as we begin our gathering today, I want us to just allow um, truth and love to anchor us. And I invite you to turn within. I'm giving thanks for the opportunity for us to come together through this amazing Zoom technology to be present from all over the world, to know together that we are all united in the power and presence of love. And so I'm just knowing that this service is a healing balm on the hearts of all of us. And we welcome you in, we are with you, and we know that we are all guided, supported, connected and lifted just by acknowledging the power and presence of spirit, which is as close to us as our breath and which lives in and through and as each one of us. And it is my uh, my honor to introduce our musician for today, Ivan Boudreaux. Um, he is delightfully folksy, and you may find his uh, music really comforting. We hope. It is my pleasure now to introduce our speaker for today, uh, Reverend Victoria Bomberry. She's the Minister of Transformational Programming at Riverside Center for Spiritual Living in Riverside, California. Prior to that, she uh, she taught for more than 35 years in the California State University System, the University of California System, and at Stanford University. She's received national awards for community organizing and journalism covering issues pertaining to indigenous people, as well as the Sankofa Award from the California Arts Council for Lifetime Contributions to Arts and Culture. She and her late husband, Daniel R. Bomberry are the founders of the Seventh Generation Fund, which is the first national public foundation for indigenous peoples. She received her PhD in modern thought and literature from Stanford University. And she lives in Southern California and adores her three sons, three daughters-in-law, two grandsons, five godchildren, and numerous companion animals. Uh, I met Reverend Victoria, uh, maybe four, about four years ago, and I remember I was, at a, we were at a retreat for ministerial school. And when I saw her, I knew instantly that I wanted to know her <laughs> and I overcame my shyness. And I said, I would like to know you. And, um, and now I'm pleased to call her a friend and a colleague. We are very happy to have you with us. Uh, please join me in welcoming Reverend Victoria Bomberry.
1: Good morning, everybody. It's so great to be here with you this morning. And uh, sometimes when I when I'm given this beautiful introduction by Champion, it's just like, "Oh, who's that lady?" <laughs> and I have to remember, I'm I'm pretty old now, right? So I've had a full life. And this is kind of the third, well, this is the third act of my life, stepping into ministry. And it's something that I really love. And I think that Champion and Reverend Cassandra and I all had the same experience when we saw one another. It was like, we have to know one another. <laughs> and we ended up at this conference of uh, uh, starting uh, to create this bond that has lasted over these past several four years, and I know it's going to last into the future. So, one thing that I always love to do when I get up in the morning, and I'm going to suggest that we do it together, is I like to give thanks for just this breath that I have and for waking up this morning in this body. And what I do is I roll out of bed, I raise my arms up, and I say, Thank you, God. I look up for all these gifts, this gift of breath and whatever I'm thankful for that day. I bring all of these gifts into my heart. I send them out into the world, send them out to the world and they come back to being multiplied. And if you do that, you're gonna raise your energy and starting the day with gratitude is just the most wonderful thing that you could ever do. And um, you know, Reverend Champion gave gave my uh, bio and uh, you know, I'm happy to be here in White Rock. Uh, My husband, my late husband, Daniel Balmberry was uh, from North Van. So he he is Coast Salish and uh, Cayuga. So he was from both coasts. His father was from uh, Six Nations and his mother was from uh, North Van. So I feel like this is a place that uh, you know ha- has my heart as well. And um, I am Muskogee. I'm an enrolled member of the Muskogee Nation. So I often say that I have a transnational family because my family is all indigenous <laughs> and, and uh, Native Hawaiian. I'm not only uh, Muskogee, I'm Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Lenape, so even in myself, I'm a transnational being, and probably all of us have that, right? We all have that transnational uh, place in us, and we're all connected. Isn't that amazing? We are connected, not only in our biology, but in our spirit. So I am really happy to be here today and um, recognize the the people in whose lands I live. I live in Riverside, California, which is Southern California. And uh, I live on the lands of the Cahuilla people. And I want to take that a little bit further than just acknowledging the land. I uh, honor and uh, respect their rights to live as free people to have all the rights of a, so, of a sovereign nation, their right to practice their religion, to develop their economies, to raise their children, children, to educate their children with full knowledge of who they are and their unique histories. I acknowledge this land and this people with my full support and love. And uh, I know that we've done land acknowledgements all morning and if you feel like it put it in the chat because it's just so wonderful to see all these native nations coming up, along with where we live, and to know that we are uh, We are making indigenous people visible and so often indigenous people are the invisible people of the world. The theme of the this month of February is One Mind, Infinite Connections. And we really see that, right? We really see that right now. And the book that uh, that Reverend Cassandra is using is the Book of Forgiving. And it is a wonderful book. I have it. And you can see that I've got my little papers in here. And it's all underlined. And, you know, it's a book that I keep. I keep, you know, out so that I can refer to it uh, all the time. Well, probably not all the time, but I do refer to it pretty frequently because there's always something that comes up with forgiveness. And, um, And today, the title of my talk is Journey to Freedom. Last week, Reverend Cassandra spoke about the third part of the fourfold path that's outlined in the book. And that third part is forgiveness. Uh, The first two are telling your story and naming the hurt. Reverend Cassandra emphasized that we need to have a witness on our fourfold path, Someone someone who we tell our story to, right? Our witness. What resonates with me in her discussion on what it means to be a witness is, the healing version of being seen and heard is someone must give you their unconditional attention without an agenda. It's not about fixing or making you feel better. It's about being with you, no matter how you feel. And we've probably all had the experience of um, trying to tell someone a story that is uh, something that is is pertinent to you, that is uh, powerful to you, that you need to have a witness to. And and, you know, there's that hurt and there's that pain, and we're trying to express that to someone. And then uh, a person will start to tell their own story, right? And in effect, they hijack, the, uh, they hijack the conversation. And it's not by intention, right? It's not the intention to do that. Their intention I believe is really to try to connect and uh, to try to uh, say, you know, this has happened to me. But of course we know that uh, everyone's story is unique to that particular person, no matter whether we've had a loss and that loss may be the same, uh, same uh, relationship to you as, it, as to the other person, the, the particulars are very different. So we can't understand exactly what a person is going through unless we are willing to listen and listen deeply. We listen deeply as we open our hearts to hear the story. And we listen to hear their particular story, what they're telling, what what is their experience right now. Witnessing is a powerful thing we can do for one another. We are accompanying those who are brave enough to be vulnerable in our presence, and think about that—it is a, a, especially in in Western culture, it is very difficult to be vulnerable, and it's not just a matter of gender. You know, I think it's difficult for most people to show their vulnerability to one another, and uh, you know, we're we're. Um, We're learning how to do this in our spiritual communities because we're creating these safe spaces to learn how to do this and to practice and practice, practice, practice doing it. And it's an opportunity for us to forge powerful bonds with one another in this intimate relationship of either the storyteller telling your story or the witness. So all you have to do if you are the the witness is listen and listen deeply. The hard part, the real hard part is for someone to be vulnerable with you. And then we honor that and respect it. And we have um, this bond that's formed that is one of reciprocity and mutual liberation. And I'm gonna use two words um, interchangeably, liberation and freedom. And they have a slightly different feel, you know, to be liberated. that That is something that is um, almost in the word itself requires relac- relationality with others, and that freedom is the actual feeling that we have when we are liberated from whatever it might be. And it is anchored, you know, this this relationship has to be anchored in trust because to be vulnerable means that you are stepping into trust. You know, you may take tentative steps into trust, or you may jump full force into trust. And as the witness, you are inviting and creating that place for a person to build their trust and for you to be a witness to that. Now, I just want us to take a moment to go within and just put your hand on your heart for a minute, if that feels good to you. It always feels good to me. And remember a time when someone has been a witness for you. And, or if you haven't had that experience yet, imagine what it would be like if someone was a witness for you. You might want to, Just uh, hold your hand on your heart and close your eyes and take a few deep breaths as you imagine that. How does it feel in your body? What words come up? And now, if you feel like it, put some of those words in the chat. Just share some of those words in the chat that came up for you. When What did you feel when you felt like you were heard, when you had a witness who was hearing your story? How did you feel? I know that uh, some of the words that came up for me immediately were gratitude, gratitude to, and uh, and a feeling of safety, and a feeling of release, and you know, uh, uh, and also knowing that I can let that burden go, and I can see other other uh, words coming up: feeling accepted, feeling trust, feeling love, feeling relief peace so those are all things that are created in this relation that we establish when we are willing to sit with one another in full trust and full acceptance so this is a powerful powerful thing and we can really be ourselves in that moment right when we know that we're being heard When we know we're being accepted, when we know we're being loved, when we feel safe, we can really be who we are. Gandhi said, I want freedom for the full expression of my personality. And that's a basic human yearning. So just in that space, you know, that is expressing who you are. You know, the hurts, the pain, uh, this story, whatever it might be, that uh, you are walking th- on this journey toward freedom and you're you're wanting to forgive. And, you know, sometimes it can be really, um, you know, there's lots of emotions, strong emotions that seem terrifying. And yet someone is accepting that someone is uh, loving you and holding you and supporting you. So that basic human yearning to be ourselves. um, And it includes that open place that I'm describing, right? It's kind of that place that Rumi describes. You know, there's a field beyond judgment, beyond all the cares and I'll meet you there. And that's the place that we're describing, that we inhabit when we are telling our story to a trusted witness. And we can take off the mask. You know, we can just feel relaxed to be ourselves. On Maslow's hierarchy of needs, belonging and love fall right in the middle of the pyramid. And belonging is one of the challenges of our time. You know, we're talking about personal right now, but we're also thinking about what does that translate into, into the larger society? And belonging is a, a, something that we've been uh, grappling with for many, many years. Uh, you know, the, the basic needs that we have, you know, of course, are food, water, you know, all of those things, warmth, rest, security, safety those are all the things that are necessary for us to have well-being those are the basic basic needs for every human being and then belonging comes up there right belonging is right in the middle and we have seen so much over this past year especially in the united states where we've had um, we've lost so many indigenous black brown and uh, people of color at the hands of the police. And um, we've experienced so much of that this this past year that it spawned a movement of Black Lives Matter and it became a global movement. So it's not just a localized thing to uh, the United States or um, you know, particular places maybe in the United States. It is something that people are experiencing globally. And we see that uh, there is this discussion. What does it mean to belong? What does it mean to be fully accepted? What does it mean to be be a first-class citizen in whatever country you are residing in? What does that mean? And a lot of people have not had the opportunity to experience that. So in this whole voyage, this whole uh, journey of, free, of uh, going to freedom, we have the personal and we have this larger picture that we're dealing with. And I know in terms of uh, you know, the, the history of the United States and Canada, they're slightly different. But what we do share, you know, globally, is a history of colonization, and the uh, resultant things that have come from that, and you know, the kind of uh, ideas that we've uh, uh, that have uh, promulgated, the kinds of hierarchies of uh, race and class, and uh, all kinds of different ways that we sort people out to make one above the other. And we have had all of that kind of uh, created, and we're all a part of it. We have our own, you know, we all play our own roles in that, both ancestrally and right now in the present. And we are right now examining all of this, and it's a really good thing. It's a really good thing that we're doing it at this point. You know, we've been doing it a long time actually, but this is kind of like one of those uh, crucible moments where we have the opportunity, I believe, to just uh, strike that flint and create something that's gonna be completely new and different from a deep realization that Forgiveness work is absolutely necessary and that we have responsibility to one another. And the walls are breaking down and we're uh, making headway in seeing and hearing one another. So just in this personal interaction, if we can practice that to see and hear one another, then we can translate that to larger and larger uh, examples of uh, those places that need to be healed. And if we can fully express our individual personality, including those vulnerable parts of ourselves with trusted friends, we are going to make that leap. We know that belonging and love go hand in hand. They do, you know. They do. Anyone that you talk to, you know, even if it's in a family, if someone doesn't feel loved in a family, they don't feel like they belong. And it start, you know, it can start, you know, at a very young age. So, belonging and love go hand in hand. And what do we do here in, in centers for spiritual living? You know, love is love for us is supreme. You know, we. We know that we, we are love and we know that it is ours to express that love in every way that we possibly can. Once we cross the artificial barriers that we have erected, we can build those intimate relationships. So this, this starts on the personal level and goes all the way through. We can make friends, and forge the freedom that we desire for ourselves. And as we feel that freedom, we can desire that for other people as well. And it's not a solitary endeavor. Although there is time for solitude, we are creating real relationships and kinship with others. When I was much younger, I had an experience that was damaging in every way imaginable to me and my family. And it really knocked me for a loop. There was a certain amount of spiritual bypass on my part in the way that I handled it because I wanted to take the high road. That was my, you know, that was what I was thinking. I have to take the high road here and do what I could to address the situation with dignity and grace. This was a good intention. And I was was partially being true to myself, but only partially. I accomplished what I needed to accomplish for the outer part of the situation, but I ignored my own needs within the situation. I put them aside, compartmentalize them and lock them away. I avoid talking about it and strive never to say a negative word about the situation. Over the years, the denial took its toll. I did not recognize my rage and what it was doing to my body. I was not ready to forgive in any shape or form. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. I was not ready. I wasn't going to forgive. And, uh, you know, and I, I really thought I was taking the high road. <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, I closed down and my trust even in good friends was very low. So, you know, just imagine that, you know, even the closest people to you, you know, feeling like, you know, I didn't trust them. I really didn't trust them. That was how, you know, that was how um, closed down I was. So what changed? What I intellectually knew, finally, made its way to my heart, you know, because, yeah, it's, it's good to take the high road. <laughs> but you have to do all of it, right? You can't just take part of it. There was, a, uh, there was a third force, the witness, that reached out when I couldn't do the reaching. And practitioners, you might uh, recognize this in your work. You are that witness when people come to you. And I, I accepted the witness and took the step toward forgiveness, including forgiving myself. I accepted the rage as frightening as it could be, you know, accepting wanting to just destroy everything, you know, being in that that incredible rage. And maybe some of you have felt that yourselves, being in a in a killing rage, right? And uh, I accepted it, I accepted it. And I had to walk through it to get to the other side. I knew it was there, and I had to accept it before it would dissipate. It's like meditation, right? watching those thoughts go by, they don't last forever, but we can kind of hold on to them and, and not let them go. And they can become these huge things in our lives. And I had to let it dissipate. Under the rage was almost unbearable emotional pain that was manifesting in different parts of my body and the body speaks when we don't. I realized that I had done the best I could have done under the circumstances and release myself from the bondage of rage, regret, with the help of the witness. Many people I have talked to over the years have said that self-forgiveness was the hardest part of the process for them. What I found is that I could not move forward Forgiving others until I forgave myself. This was definitely a journey to freedom. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over many years. And that doesn't mean that that's going to be true for anyone else. But I'm just saying that there may be things that that may be tying you down that are things from the past and um and we don't have to carry them we don't have to carry them there is freedom and there's light on this journey on this journey of life the final uh, final stage of the fourfold path is renewing or releasing the relationship What I found is that I had to release the relationship with the person that I saw as the perpetrator. I had carried this relationship around with me for years, even though I made sure I would never have to be in the same room with this person. Yet somehow, they were affecting my life in negative ways because I was still carrying them around. It was like a huge weight. I was carrying all that weight around. It was in conversation with someone that, I made, that made me pause to think of this millstone that I had around my neck. I was able to remove it, forgive the person, wish them well, and release them in one fell swoop. It just happened. Of course, I had been doing my work, but I, was, I wasn't. I wasn't uh, even thinking that this is what was going to happen in that moment. And it was that intention that I had set those many years ago you know to to um, stay the path, and it was coming to fruition. There was nothing that I needed or wanted from them, no apology, no amends, nothing. There was nothing more needed to do, just pure release. Everything washed away, and I'm reminded of um, Psalm. 103 praise the lord O my soul and my inmost being praise his holy name praise the lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. In case you get hung up on the sin there, just a reminder that it means missing the mark, nothing to be condemned for, but a lesson to remember. And, you know, if anything, you know, I made a mistake against myself in that situation. And when I forgave and released that relationship, I was renewed. So it was done. And Ernest Holmes reminds us that the eternal mind holds not against anyone. So there was really nothing to forgive, right, in in the eyes of God. It was me that had to do the forgiving of myself and through that to be able to forgive the other. And I just want to share one more story of forgiveness uh, as I wrap up here, because I'm talking about releasing a relationship. And other times you might uh, want to renew the relationship. And um, a woman I was speaking with uh, recently. Um, told me that she had been estranged for her brother for more than a decade. And um, then they made tentative steps to uh, reconnect. And he was, he is an addict and uh, he had done real damage to their relationship over the years by lying, stealing, uh, putting her in in, uh, dangerous situations, of all kinds. And she recounts that um, some of those situations could have cost her her life. So she felt like she barely survived being in relationship with her brother. So after 10 years of silence, they, they tentatively have uh, opened this relationship. And now they're texting one another almost on a daily basis they're keeping in in close contact but she has boundaries around this but she's uh, she's renewing this relationship and no one's saying that you you ever have to be in relationship with someone who will make you unsafe but there may be ways that you are opening your heart in that in full compassion to someone and that you are forgiving them you are forgiving them and and uh and accepting them just as they are and there may have to be boundaries around it and that's okay that's okay you are accepting you are loving you are in relationship with them that you have renewed it and who knows where it will go all we can do is what we do in the moment, and she says that what she does is she prays. She knows she can pray. So this is an example of uh, you know the power of forgiveness. That forgiveness frees us. That forgiveness allows us to be open-hearted in all different ways. in, in our life, we are we develop our, our compassion muscle. We develop and and stretch our hearts to be bigger than we ever imagined possible. And it is a powerful, powerful place to be, especially now, especially now in these times that, you know, a lot of people say are troubled. And what I say is that we have an opportunity right now to Bring our full creative forces together and join them and move forward to this new place that we want to be. And I am so grateful that we are on this path to freedom together, that we are releasing and letting go and moving into the future together as one. And so it is.